Tracy got me some shoes for, for Father's Day. You like them? I feel very athletic. I think I should run or something. Speaking of Cody. Cody's our runner. He's going, where are you going? Somewhere special soon. What? Auburn. He's going to Auburn to run up there, cross country. So. Nice. Good job. So you're racing against all girls? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Best race ever. Anyway, uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, I've, I, I, I'm trying to get to this, but anyway, I saw a funny thing. These the, these shoes are running shoes. I like them. I call them my lizard shoes because they look like lizard, but they're really bright. Julie kind of outdid me. Hers are even brighter than mine. That means we don't have any excuses. Have y'all seen that? This doesn't have anything to do with my sermon. I'm never going to get to it. Have y'all seen the video of, of activewear? The active oh, it's hilarious. Where it's it's kind of playing on this has nothing I should have worked it into my sermon but I didn't it has nothing to do with it but it was uh, the trend of all the ladies wearing the active wear and it's a song and it's like doing all the things like showing up my baby in my active wear and like buying new active wear in my active wear <laughs> it's like eating some ice cream in my active wear anyway it's funny I digress anyway I feel <laughs> it was funny that my shoes reminded me of it because I'm not that active but I feel like I should be like when I'm walking around I'm like I should like run now. So maybe that's it. Maybe it's the clothes get you encouraged to, to do it. So we should all buy new clothes and get more active. Or then you have a bunch of clothes that you don't fit in because they're all like extra medium. All right. Where's the... <laughs> medium. Where's Patrick? Is Patrick here? Uh, he's working. He's wearing an extra medium shirt, I'm sure. All right. Because <laughs> he's, he's, he can show it off. Anyway, his <laughs> we went like looking for like Easter clothes with him one time and all the shirts were tight. Whoa, that was loud. We're tight right here on me, and they were like tight on him up here. It's like we have the same problem. Different areas. Trying to relate. We're the same, Patrick. Basically, we're the same person. All right. um, Oh, wow. Where do I start? We'll start in Genesis. That's a good place, right? How many of you know that God doesn't hate humans? (laughs) That's That's a radical statement to some people that have been in church for a while. God doesn't hate humans. Uh, some of this revelation came from uh, came from the Lord. Some of it came from Julie not giving up on me on, on one of the, the pastors that she listens to some, and I was listening to some of his sermons, and I was like, wow, that's really good. But also it came from a trip, all that kind of meshed together. Uh, after youth one night, Trin, my oldest daughter Trinity, is in youth, and she started asking me some questions, um, which was great, um, but I wasn't prepared. <laughs> I didn't have a sermon prepared. And she started asking me about... Uh, Basically, the whole sin story, she was just kind of, she had been baptized. She was asking, well, uh, are you saved when you're baptized? Or when, at what point, you know, have you, have you received Christ? Or when, have you started this new life being born again? And I was like, hey, I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> but what's interesting is as, as I began to talk to her about it, how many of you know that when a kid asks you something, or really anybody that asks you something, and you have to come up with an answer, you really have to think about it, right? It's not... It's not like it's not the same as studying and then teaching or studying and then sharing. It's different, right? And that's what I ran into. I began to think, okay, well, let's think about this. I had to pause a few times, like, okay, well, no, and I explained to her baptism is an outward representation of what goes on in your heart. And what we do with our kids, and, and, and everybody may do things differently, our kids, when they wanted to be baptized, we didn't hold them back. We didn't, you know, we've talked to them about salvation, we've talked to them about being born again, but whether they've... Uh, 
made that decision, we didn't stop them from being baptized. Does that make sense? We didn't want to discourage them from that. But at the same time, it, it can, now that Trinity's older, she's a little confused about, okay, well, where does this, how does this fit? But what's good about that is she kind of has a reference point too now. Now she's like, okay, well, what does this mean that I did? Let's, let's talk about it. So I was able to talk all the way home, and I was trying to like slow down. So I was like, we can talk, we can talk all night about this. And so we talked back and forth, but what I began to see was this, what I heard from the Holy Spirit even this morning about the lie that, that we're, and I'm going to try to tiptoe through this because it can sound, and like most of the things I say, it sounds very, it can sound off a little bit, but I don't believe that it is. I don't think that we're um, inherently bad. I'll say that. Because as I began to explain to her, that's the, the, the church that I learned kind of how to evangelize basically taught me that. And so I began to go back to what I was comfortable with and began to say that, and I started thinking, okay, well, let me, let's think about this a little bit more. Whether I just, I'm not just going to regurgitate things that I think I know. Let's think about it, okay. And so I began to talk to her about it, and I was like, this, and this is my daughter. <laughs> you know, this isn't just, this is my daughter, and I'm thinking, okay, I love her. I want the best for her. I need her to know her position and where she is. And so we began to kind of wrestle with that. Wrestle, wrestle. We didn't wrestle, I didn't put on. Anyway, um, we <laughs> began to wrestle with that, and I basically explained to her, look, this, the, it's a positional thing. You, are, you were created good. God created man good. When man fell, things were bad. You're not bad. Things were bad, and you were born into a bad situation, basically, is what I explained to her. You, you, were, you were born into a situation that you didn't cause, but you inherited through <laughs> just being human, right? Um, and so I explained to her that way. It's a positional thing. And so God's heart, and this is what really shifted the way I look at that, and I went back to Genesis and saw it, you know, to back up what I was telling her. I was like, okay, I'll make sure I'm right here. And saw it, look, I said, look, God's heart for you is to have a relationship with him. It has always been and it will always be for you to have communion with the Father. Um, And I said, in the same way, my desire for you is to have a relationship with me. I love you. I want the best for you. That's it. She can get into situations that are bad, right? Can we agree on that? But positionally, she's my daughter. I said, in the same way, when you accept Christ, when you you come to terms with the position that you're in, which is a, a sinful position, not you're bad. It's a little deeper than that, right? You, you find yourself in this position where you're like, okay, I'm in a bad place and I don't want to be here anymore. And I need a way out. And so that's where we find Christ. Does that make sense? Um, and, and so I explained to her, look, this is, this is God's heart for you. This is what we're doing. And so we went, went through all this. And, and, and it was good because it, it helped me probably more than it helped her to kind of fully understand what, what we were talking about here. And so when, when we talk about position, um, I want to say it this way. Uh, I don't have, I didn't prepare very well. Does anybody have a book? Hand me the, no, hand me the tissue box, please, Trace. This would be a good, good way to kind of show this. And I saw somebody else do this, so I'm stealing it. Um, all right. Uh, I'm going to knock this off, okay? And Tracy, when I knock it off, I want you to come put it back on this table, all right? You good with that? <laughs> this is kind of like what we do at home. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. But seriously, that's pretty much how we do it. Thank you. Tracy, ladies and gentlemen. Now, did she restore that box? Did she restore it? Did she restore it to its original position? No. Listen, when Jesus died, he restored us to our original position. Here's where we get off. I I know I'm on my soapbox again. We think heaven's really far away. And that our goal is heaven. Our, our goal is not heaven far away. Our goal is a reinstatement of a relationship with the Father. 
So when Christ reinstated us, he made us good with God again. Right? He didn't say, okay, you'll be good when you go to heaven. What good is that? How does that help us now? What does that do for us? It, it, makes us, it makes us try really hard to get somewhere we can't get. How fun is that? <laughs> Not fun at all. It's miserable. Why would a good God do that? He wouldn't. He reinstated it. Thank you. Does that make sense? I say that a lot. Does that make sense? You smelling what I'm stepping in? I'll try to change it up so maybe we can not criticize me too much. <laughs> you put, picking up what I'm putting down? You smelling what I'm stepping in? All right. I have, we have a puppy, so anyway. Yeah, pray for us. Anyway, good luck with that. So what, so what happened, what happened when, when, when Christ died for us was the completion of what God had for us from the beginning. Now, let me, let me kind of explain that. When God doesn't hate humans, that's where I want to start with. When, I don't want to go through the whole story because I don't have time, but you guys, most of you guys know the story of Adam and Eve. Okay. Um, God came, after they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, God came and looked for them, and where were they? They were hiding in the bushes, right? And they had sewn together fig leaves to cover themselves up, right? This was, this was man's first attempt at trying to fix his problem that he created ultimately. And what's God do? Think about this for a minute. What were they trying to, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. What were they trying to do? Cover their nakedness, right? What is that representing? Sin, right? They're trying to cover their shame and their guilt. They were trying to cover themselves and they were ashamed and they were never ashamed before. Now, I don't want to get, we want to look at this spiritually because I don't want y'all showing up here next Sunday naked because we won't have the church for very long. But I want, I want, I want, I want you to see spiritually what's going on. There's a, <laughs> we, we would have a lot of news crews, but we would not have a church very long. But what I want you to see here is they were, they, they were okay naked before, right? They were okay for a while naked before. Naked meaning they were okay. They didn't, they didn't know any shame, any guilt, any condemnation. They didn't know any of that stuff. They were good. Them and God were good. They were okay. Okay. So they, they sewed the leaves up because that was, that was man's attempt to cover his shame, guilt, and unrighteousness. Um, and here's what's cool is, I, I want to make sure I was going the right direction. Um, what's cool is, God. T- we all think about God rejecting us, but we were the ones that rejected God. Because what, what did God do when he saw that they were wearing those fig leaves? He was like, what are you wearing? <laughs> like, that looks terrible. <laughs> they couldn't have been able to sew very well. They were the first sewers. They couldn't be able to do a very good job, and he took that off of them, and what did he put on them? What does the Bible tell us he puts on them? He put on animal skin, right? God created the first sacrifice, even from the very beginning for man, to cover their sin, to cover their shame. They didn't do it. God did it. God clothed them, in essence, spiritually, in his righteousness. Even back then, that was his heart. And so this is, this is a shift. This is a change in perspective because I remember being taught that God was angry at Adam and Eve. What are you doing? Why did you eat from the tree? I'm mad at you. Take that junk off. Get out of my garden. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, that, was, the, that was the God that I, that I thought I knew. But when you read it in its context, if you read through the whole story, and you, please, I encourage you to, you can see what's happening there. God loves them, and he wants, he wants to have a relationship with them, and he sees that they've made a mistake, and then he, he even starts fixing it then. And he gives a temporary system with, with a permanent outcome to come in the future. He's, he's working it already. From the very beginning, he's working it. So God's revealing himself as Father through Jesus. So we're going to fast forward to Jesus now, okay? 
Jesus lived and felt rejection even though he was accepted. Did Jesus not feel rejected by everybody to the point of crucifixion? This was Adam's misconception is that he thought that he was being rejected by God, but God really loved him. He was the one that had kind of stepped out of fellowship there. So his mindset was, God's not going to be happy with me. Let me hide myself. When his mindset should have been, I made a mistake. I need to come to this loving father that, that, that thinks best for me and thinks good for me, right? His, his mindset had shifted to something that wasn't, wasn't correct. So this reflects Adam's first issue. <clears throat> he felt rejected, but he was really greatly loved. And this is the lie from the enemy, that we're not loved and that, that God does not want to, to draw us in. This is why I always say that I was not pursuing God. God pursued me. He ran me down. I mean, he did. He, I, I wanted nothing to do with God. Nothing. So much so that I tried to, like, make him mad. <laughs> like, you can't tell me what to do. I do what I want. Somebody must have thought I was thirsty. It's the running shoes. I got two waters. I'm not really running, guys. All right. So what is, we're going to get into repentance. What is repentance? Metanoia, renewing of your mind. Repentance is not, um, is not a one-time event. Repentance is an ongoing thing. Repentance is a, a renewing of our mind constantly, right? So we find our one source. This is repentance, not ourselves as God. So when we repent, we, we walk through life, and when we repent, we're, 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 we're gathering our information and everything that we do from God, right? This is... This is repentance. This is real repentance, is seeing things the way God sees things. It's as simple as that. We can overcomplicate it if we want to, but it's as simple as saying, okay, I have God with me now, and now I need to, I need to look and draw from that source, not from my own self. I don't see things from my own perspective. I draw from his, from his perspective. So that's what repentance is. This is ongoing, and it changes our view, not only of people around us, but it changes our view of God. It changes our view of who God is to us and who we are to God. How many of you know that your, your opinion of God and your opinion of God's opinion of you can radically change the way you live your life. Would you agree? Would you agree that if you have a bad opinion of yourself and you, have, and you think that God has a bad opinion of you, that it will change the way that you live, right? Will it not? It, it, will, it will adjust your decision-making to the point of some pretty bad decisions because you feel that you're not, you're, you'll never be good enough and you never live up to those expectations. So God's not leading, he's not leading us on an escape plan from earth. He's leading you on a redemption plan for people. So Jesus came to restore what Adam lost. <laughs> and like we talked about with the box, anything you restore returns it to its original position. Guess what? We didn't, man didn't fall from heaven. Satan fell from heaven. Where was man created? From the dust. He was created from earth. Think about that for a minute. God breathes his breath into him, but he was created from the earth. He was made out of dust. Why have we gotten so preoccupied with going to a far away off heaven? How do we mess this up? <laughs> how, do we, how do we look at this so far off when Christ brought heaven to us and put it in our hearts? Heaven, we know, we know the definition of heaven is to know the Father. The kingdom is to know the Father. Real salvation is to know the Father. We have access now. <laughs> this is such good news that he's restored it in our hearts, back to perfection. Here's where we get messed up. We still, like I was explaining to Trinity, we still live in a bad place sometimes. We still get in bad positions sometimes. We still have bad thoughts sometimes. We still have 
Um, uh, I don't know. <laughs> we have mean people, <laughs> and genuinely. But here's the thing: we don't we don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight in the spirit, right? We don't fight the things. That's why we always talk about uh, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. That I used to always think, oh, well, that's God, you know. Every knee's going to bow and every tongue's going to confess. But the only two ways I really can look at it now is um, who who is God going to ever put on their knees other than the enemies of people which aren't other people, right? They're going to be Satan and sin and everything that broke relationship with you. Anybody else that goes on their knees is going to be willingly doing it because they know how good their father is. So both of those things are good news. And I think that's where we get mixed up. We think a people group is our enemy. We think, we think uh, uh, I don't want to get too specific here because there's lots of different ones. We think uh, even a mindset or a style or anything, we, we, put, we put surface things as, as though they're enemy and those are people. God doesn't hate people. Why would he? He loves people. Our enemies are spiritual and they're sin and death and hell. They're the things that Christ died for. What? I'm getting way off now, but I, gotta, I, I just thought about this. Why do we feel, and this is, this is my thing I always talked about when, when I first began to evangelize, I wanted to shake people. <laughs> you need to see the way I see because I know, you know, I get it and I need you to get it. How many of you ever wanted to shake people? Like why, people that you, you have spent time with and you've invested in and you want them to do good and they continue to fail. They continue to fail and they continue to mess up. And you just want to shake them and go, why don't you get it? Why can't you understand what I'm explaining to you? And you want to slap them, right? Or you want to yell at them. But here, I'm, I'm just being honest. I, I really wanted to, like, slap some people. Like, don't, why don't you get it? But here's the thing. We talked about, hang on. <laughs> fresh download, fresh download. Um, imagine, imagine if I planted, I should have got a flower. I'm a, I'm a terrible pastor. I should plant all this stuff out. No, I'm not. I'm good. I listen to the Holy Spirit. I need to not say that. You're right, Jasmine. Bad pastor for being a bad pastor. All right. I'm in a conundrum. Imagine, imagine... <laughs> Use your imagination. I'm not a bad pastor. You have a bad imagination. <laughs> I shouldn't have to bring a flower in here. All right. So imagine I've got dirt here. There's none. Imagine, <laughs> imagine I, I cast out some seeds because that's what we're supposed to do. This is the, po- the purpose of our church. We've established our vision. We, we plant, we water, and we enjoy the reward, which is relationship, right? We plant, we spread seeds. How do you plant? You spread seeds, right? You water. Okay. We talk about discipleship. We love people. We continue to water. And God brings the increase. We get to reap the reward which is relationship with him and relationship with people. That's our reward, and you can benefit from it now. Golf clap? All right. So here's the mentality that some people have. They'll, they'll plant something, and then they'll get down there and go, Grow! Why won't you grow? Stupid! <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and does it grow any faster? No. Oh. Yes. <laughs> I'm growing, I'm growing, I'm growing. <laughs> it's equivalent. What, uh, we, we talked about it a while back, Brian, with the uh, butterfly. Yeah, the uh, screaming at a, a cocoon doesn't make... Wait, what was it? I'm bushing the quote. You, yeah, screaming at a, at a caterpillar doesn't turn into a butterfly any faster. It's got to be a transformation. It's got to be something real. You plant the seeds. Listen, but this is what's cool about that. It takes the stress off of you, right? I don't have to scream at the seed anymore. It's taking forever. Here's what we do. We, we spread the good news. We, we give the good news freely. Say, okay, 
Jesus has made a way for you to have a good relationship with God the Father, the one you think is bad, and he's really not bad. We demonstrate that to him, hopefully. <laughs> not in traffic, but, you know, in conversation. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, so, so we demonstrate that to him, we tell it to him, and then we back off and we pray and we let the Holy Spirit do his work. Now, if we have the opportunity, we water, right? We water. We, we continue to, to talk to them. We continue to disciple them, not through a system or a program. We disciple them through life. We pick them up and they fall. Yes? That's good. All right. For, yes, very much so. For those, I, I'm trying to think of podcasts in the future. Uh, what Dawn said was, if you overwater it, you can drown them out. You can, you can uh, what did you say? You can kill the seed. You can overwater the seed because you're trying to do it by your own ability and your own, that's good. Because you can, you can, you're overdoing it, right? So we step back and we pray, Holy Spirit, you do, you do the work. And if you feel the Holy Spirit lead, then you water, right? That's good. So, so you still, you're still in communion. You're still drawing from that source, right? You're still drawing from, from God, essentially, through Christ in your heart. So you're drawing from this, this, this new perspective that you have, these new set of eyeglasses that says, okay, wait, wait for it, wait for it, wait for it. I really want to slap them. Wait for it. <laughs> uh, can I shake them a little bit? No, wait for it. Water, right? And here's what happens when that happens. It's this, this, this amazing thing. It begins to grow and it begins to bloom because God makes the increase. God brings it. And then, and then you're excited and you're happy. And here's another thing that goes right along with that. Now, not only have you taken that upon yourself to make sure that that's taken care of, now you can just befriend them and love them and you don't take all that responsibility on yourself so that if by chance they fall, you can help build them up and you don't take all that responsibility on yourself. So you go, God, they fail. I need you to, need you to do something here. You know, and you pray, right? You genuinely talk to God like we're talking here. Hey, I'm, I'm doing, I'm, I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm listening to you, Father. I, I'm, I'm doing this, and this is what's happening. I, I don't want to see this happen. I know that you don't, so you pray. You have communion with the Father. I didn't have any of that in here. I don't know where I'm, where I'm going now, but there we go. Whatever, Holy Spirit, that's, that's, all, that's all good. Let's talk about that some more. Talk about some planting. So Jesus came to restore what Adam lost. Uh, anytime you restore it, you bring it back to its original state, just like we, we gave an example earlier. Uh, man didn't fall from heaven. He fell from relationship with God. We were created from the dirt. God breathed his life into us. Uh, yada, yada, yada. More notes that I took earlier that apparently Holy Spirit wants me to talk about something else now. Um, all right, well, We'll wrap up with this. There's uh, some of you may have heard the story. Um, There's a kid that was down the hall from his parents, and he was screaming at his dad, Dad, I need a drink of water. His dad was like, go to bed. Wait a few minutes, and he was like, Dad, I really need a drink of water. I'm thirsty. He was like, son, go to bed. It's like 11 o'clock. He was like, Dad, I need a drink of water. He was like, listen, if I get up, I'm going to give you a spanking. He waited a few minutes, and the kid was like, Dad, when you get up to give me a spanking, can you bring me a drink of water? <laughs> I always thought that was funny. Our kids, our two youngest kids, like to sleep in our bed for some reason. 
We continually kick them out, but they somehow find a way back in. I mean, you can't do it. You can't lock the door. They've got a Q-tip. You can't do anything. They're coming back in there. They even showed us. They demonstrated to us how they do it. And they would, they'd open the door real slow, and then they would explain, we tiptoe in there, and if one of you move, we stop. And then if you stop moving, then we start going again. And then they showed, I mean, demonstrated all the way. We were like in bed talking or whatever, and they did, did a whole demonstration. I was like, we're not thrilled about this. This isn't good. We don't want you to do this. And now we know. But what happens is we get so tired, we're just like, I don't even care anymore. But for some reason, there's... <laughs> they wear you down. For some reason... Uh, no, who cares? This may be... Huh? Yeah. This, this may be inappropriate, but who cares? Y'all are cool. Y'all know me. <clears throat> But there, I feel like there's like this, some kind of gravitational pull to like their knuckles to my eye socket or their knees or feet to my gentleman's area. Because it never, it never fails. Like they get sideways and it's just like, thunk. and you know, you're happy and then you're real sad. And then, I mean, real, real sad. And then a knuckle will usually, it finds its way to the end, like behind my eyeball. Ah, ah, and you're asleep, so you think it's the end of the world. I don't know where I am. Why did you punch me in the face? And they're just like, and you put, and then you're you're dumb, so you push it back, and it's just like a it's like a spring. Anyway, so our kids like to sleep in our bed. I don't know why, but they like it. But we feel, and they, they do, they wear us down, because last night we were like, okay, I think me and mom are going to watch a movie, you guys, you guys go to bed or whatever, and they're like, you're going to watch an inappropriate movie? <laughs> no, inappropriate for you. Because we love you and want to guard your ears. Anyway, so we want to watch a family movie. It's going to be Father's Day. All right, get in bed. So we started watching Beauty and the Beast and fell asleep and then got punched in the face all night. Anyway, so if you ever see me with a black eye, I'm not like fighting on the weekends, it's just kids. So anyway, so sometimes our kids sleep in our bed, but normally they, we try to get them to sleep down the hall. But even if they sleep down the hall, where are they? They're inside the house, right? Are they outside? No, they're inside the house, right? In the Jewish culture, the kids slept in the bed with the, the parents, with the father. Did you know that? In the Jewish culture, that was normal for the children to sleep in the bed with them. And I say that because I'm going to go into some scripture here that's going to hopefully bring some revelation to you because it did for me. So Luke 11 If you want to go there, you can. I'm in NIV, um, Luke 11 and 1. It says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. Now, what's this whole thing about? Praying. How are you going to pray? He said to them, When you pray, say, Father. Does it say buddy, friend, acquaintance? No. It says, Father. When you pray, say, Father. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, uh, for we also forgive uh, everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Verse 5, then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend, listen to the wording here, suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, let me <clears throat> lend me three loaves of bread, a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me, the door's already locked, and... My children and I are in bed, right? I can't get up to give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of your friendship, yet because your your shameless audacity, or another version says to protect his good name, to demonstrate that he is good, 
He will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find it. Knock and the door will be open for you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be open. Uh, which of you fathers, if your son asks him for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? So he goes back to fathers and sons there. Listen. Look in this, in this picture what's going on. We're the kids in the bed. You're not outside beating your, beating your knuckles bloody to try to get in so that you can get some bread. What does a Jewish son have to do to get some bread in the middle of the night? Dad, <laughs> let me get some bread. <laughs> he's, he's within arm's reach. He's, he's in the bed with him. This is where we've kind of messed up. We think we're on the outside. We're not just acquaintances anymore. If you've received the Holy Spirit and you've received the Father, he's within arm's reach. The kingdom of God is where? At hand. Dad, I need some bread. I need a glass of water. When you get up to spank me, give me some water. Right? This is the closeness that we have with the Father. And this is why he says when you pray, say, Father, Dad, Daddy. This was radical teaching back then. It's still radical today. That we can call God Father, a perfect God Father. This is the perfection that's found in our heart that gives us access to that through Christ. This is us being hidden in Christ. So that when we approach the throne, we can approach boldly, right? We approach the throne boldly and we go, Dad, I need some bread. We sang the, the, the prodigal verses of that song. I love that version with those, or maybe the original version, but I love that, that song with those verses because it's just such a beautiful picture of God clothing us in his righteousness. It's of the Father giving him his robe because that's what he did. He gave him his robe. The same way, all the way back in the garden, he clothed them with the first animal sacrifice to demonstrate to them how much he loved them and how much he wanted them to have fellowship with himself. I mean, he created them. For God's sake. <laughs> I mean, he created them to, so that he could have fellowship with them. And I could go on. I don't have time. I was going to go on to the whole uh, rib and wife thing and because and, it trickles on down to relationships and church and everything else. But I'll leave you with, uh, I'll leave you with that revelation as far as the Father goes because we don't have time to continue to go on. And God had other intentions about midway through anyway. So when... When you, when you act and react to God and to friends and family, you, you almost have no choice than to do that from a place of being already loved and already accepted. I say you almost don't have a choice because you do have a choice. You can, you can be deceived, you can be lied to, and you can think that you're in another place that you are not. I always talk about movies. Movies feel so real. Um, when you're watching them, sometimes they, I like movies. I like movies that I can get involved in and, I, and, I, and my heart starts beating fast or I feel like I'm a part of the movie. I love those movies. But if you would pan out and you'd see the boom mic and you'd see the actors and the guy drinking coffee over here in the director's chair, you'd realize that this isn't real. In the same way, you can be deceived into thinking that, that some of the things and situations you find yourself in your life, that those things are the things that define you in your reality. That's why I love the scripture that says um, that God is even above our own conscience. He, he will convince you of your righteousness above your own ability to even convince yourself that you're righteous. That's why I say I pray that you're convicted of righteousness. Convicted just means you're convinced that you are now righteous in Christ. Righteous in Christ. No T there. So I want to encourage you when you, when you, when you walk out this life that is a good life, laugh. <laughs> it's okay to laugh. Love. It's okay to love. 
it leaves you vulnerable sometimes, but that's okay. Um, have, the, have the knowledge of the tree of life, not the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because that reality, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you this real quick. Um, when I was thinking of, of men that have encouraged me in my life, uh, there were several that came to mind. Mark was one of the main ones. I sent him a text this morning and, and just tell him Happy Father's Day and, <clears throat> and how much he has done in me and in my life. And one of the main things I could, I could remember that, that Mark did for me was he taught and demonstrated um, a father's love, not just to me but to other people, and he, he gave everyone the benefit of the doubt. Growing up in my environment, I was very cynical. I'm just being honest. I hope I'm always honest, but I'm just saying I was, I was a bit cynical, and I, I'd kind of defaulted to, uh, who's texting me? I'm trying to preach. Um, oh, that's sweet. It's one of my coworkers. Happy Father's Day. Does he not know I'm a pastor? All right. <laughs> what a jerk. <laughs> so, <laughs> just want to slap him. No, anyway, so, so anyway, so, <laughs> I lost track. So, Mark, the thing, yeah, I was cynical, and, and I, I, I didn't realize that, listen, I'd been saved for many years. I'd been born again, and I didn't realize that my go-to was to, was to, was to, to hold back and protect because I had been, I'd seen what I thought was some of the worst in people. And so my tendency to, when I went into relationships with people was not to hug them and love them or be vulnerable, but it was to, to tense up and back off or to second-guess everything they said because I was concerned that they were either being manipulative or they were, they were going to take advantage of me or my family or they were going to hurt me or someone around me. And so it was, it was more not to say I'm not a father and a protector, but to say that my default was the worst in people, whether I admit it or not. I mean, I was a youth pastor at the time. I encouraged people and I loved people, but in here, I didn't get it yet. In here, this wasn't renewed yet. It wasn't there yet. And it took several years of Mark to teach it and then the Holy Spirit to quicken it in, to quicken it in me that it was a reality to me. And that's what I told him this morning. I said, hey, I just want to thank you for being that, that father figure that listened to the Holy Spirit and expressed uh, real hope when I was genuinely cynical. And I said, I'll never forget the, the one time he preached up here and talked about how paramount relationship was. And I was like, mm-mm, he's wrong. I remember sitting by, I, was, I worked my way to the front. I sat, started at the back and then worked my way up. But we were at the back and I remember thinking, mm-mm. And back then he was brave and a very eloquent speaker, so he would ask people if they had questions, and I couldn't wait, man, I was like, mm-hmm. and, and my, I remember what my thing was, if kids are playing in traffic, should I get to know them before I save them from getting run over or something like that? It was a very immature question to ask, knowing now, um, but what he was expressing was what I needed to hear, and I was resisting it at the time, but I now know it years later, I'm like, you were right, relationship was paramount, he knew it, he, he was listening to what the Holy Spirit was telling him, and he was teaching the truth, and it just took me a while to get it. And so I want to encourage you when, when you, in relationships with God, in relationships with people, don't be cynical. Um, I'm not saying you don't create boundaries. Create boundaries if you need boundaries for, for you know, for you to be safe. Don't, don't put yourself in, in danger necessarily for that. I don't want to encourage that. But at the same time, you'll, you'll never truly have an abundant life if, you, if you're not vulnerable enough to love people. Here's a kicker. You don't have to agree with everything someone does to love them. You, you don't have, here's another thing, you don't have to condemn everything they do to their face. You can just love them sometimes. If you need to pull back and love them, that's okay. If you need to get close and love them, that's okay. But guess what? I can't tell you when those times are going to be. That's up to you and the Holy Spirit. 
that comes back to the source thing. Where's my source? It's not me. It's not my understanding because I want to slap you. Not you. I'm going to slap you in the face, somebody. I'm going to slap you in the face. Now, I'm not leaning on my understanding. <laughs> I'm leaning on the Holy Spirit's understanding, right? And from that, that's where repentance, metanoia, renewing of your mind comes from. All right, we're over. You're welcome. All right, uh, stand up with me. I'm going to pray for you. Mic drop. I can drop this. It's just anticlimactic. <laughs> Dink. <laughs> Don't give me. I'll do something dumb and regret it. All right, Lord, uh, I just thank you for for this time to come in here and just just worship you, Lord. Uh, I love that we worship you in grace and truth, Lord. Those aren't opposite things. Those go along the same lines, Lord. We we just love you and we worship you in your grace and in your truth, and so we thank you for that. Father, uh, build the confidence in us that we know that you're working in places we haven't even gone yet. So as we go out into this world and we begin to see people and love people and minister to people, and I'm not talking about just in church settings or in outreaches, but in our lives as we begin to minister to people, Lord, that that you would give that opportunity for us to water at the right time and, and you will begin to grow that person. You'll begin to blossom in them. Lord, give us the opportunity to spread those seeds. Um, so that we can recognize it when it needs to be to be planted. Lord, give us opportunity to enjoy the reward, which is relationship, where we can just get together and laugh, and we can get together and enjoy each other's company, and that's okay, and it's relaxing, and it's good. Lord, give us those opportunities to do that with you as well as we pray, that, that we're not intimidated by praying in front of people, or we don't, we're not intimidated by praying, you know, wherever we want, wherever we need to, Lord, because it's just a conversation that we're having with our loving Father. Lord, I thank you for the rain, but please make it stop. <laughs> I just, it's too much. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>